0: Today's episode of Lions of Liberty is brought to you by MathBot.com. MathBot.com is a fun little game that fills a serious hole that the public and even the private schools miss, and that is knowledge of programming and the math behind programming. MathBot.com gives parents a much-needed tool to make sure their children don't fall behind in this new information age. Software is eating the world, and those who don't know how to code will be left behind as more and more jobs become automated. MathBot.com gives kids and even adults like me, the knowledge needed to thrive in this new world. MathBot may just seem like a fun and simple game, but behind the scenes it uses the same method, Julius Caesar, Isaac Newton, Einstein, and everyone else were all taught math before the state got its greasy hands into education. This method goes all the way back to classical Greece, the dawn of civilization. MathBot will gradually upload the math and logical skills needed to understand programming into the mind of any player. It's said that the pen is mightier than the sword, But now, code is even mightier than the pen. So become mighty and learn to code over at MathBot.com. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Meow. Sorry, guys. All I have are, are meows today. I don't really have a roar in me because as I record this voiceover, this introduction to today's program, I am a little bit hungover. And the reason I'm hungover is because of our Patreon-only Two-hour-long libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor that we just did the other night. That is available to all patrons of this show who pledge at $5 or higher. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Liberty. Really helps us to grow and fund the show. We do not take a dime of that money. It all goes back into bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty like I've been bringing you here on the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast Each and every Monday for over five years now. And I'm going to keep on doing that as long as you guys keep showing up to listen. I've got a great guest today, but before I get to him, I want to remind you guys that it's not just me here. I have other lions who bring you their own style of roaring for liberty. Brian McWilliams hits you smack in the face every single Wednesday with his rant-filled outlook on comedy, culture, and liberty Every single Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odermatt wraps things up every Friday with his incredible, hard hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on a little show we call Felony Friday. Trust me when I tell you, my friends, you do not want to miss a single episode. And that's why you got to hit that subscribe button, whether you listen to an Apple podcast, maybe you listen on Stitcher, maybe you listen on Overcast like I do, maybe you just like to scream at your Alexa, Alexa, play me Lions of Liberty. Tune In. That works also. Many ways to listen to this program, although you can't really subscribe on Alexa as far as I know. I guess you just have to routinely yell at her every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to play your Lions of Liberty. But whatever works for you guys, we are just glad to have you here roaring with us three days a week. And I do have a little announcement, a very special announcement about a slight tweak to the format of this program. I'll be telling you about that After today's interview, which luckily I was not hungover when I recorded. So please give a great Lions of Liberty roar to today's (laughs) guest. My guest today is a guitarist, a mix engineer, and producer for the band Arrested Development, and he just so happens to also be a sprouting Rothbardian libertarian, and that is, of course, why he is here with me today. I'm very pleased to welcome Jason J.J. Boogie Reichert. Jason, are you ready to roar? Ready to roar! Yeah. All right, now JJ, I've Jason or JJ. We talked a bit about the show, which which you'd prefer being called, and uh, I'm just gonna bounce back and forth between both. I think that's what I've decided. That's cool. (laughs) Doesn't bother me. Now, you know, I, I I was a fan of the band Arrested Development uh, before you were even in the band. You know, in the early '90s when I was growing up, and then I, I, one day I don't I don't even remember now if it was on Twitter because I have I inter- interacted with you a bit online between our Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty forum, uh, our public group, as well as on Twitter. Uh, you're also active over in the Mises Caucus group. I just I started seeing you popping up a lot, and I saw that you're in the band Arrested Development, and I kind of like, oh, that, that's pretty interesting. I used to love that band, so yeah, I've become more familiar with you over the last few months because you're you're pretty active in the conversation. So I thought. When the beginning of the year, when I went on Twitter and started asking people for suggestions, uh, I think you tossed a few suggestions out, but I also said to myself, well, why don't I just bring you on the show and find out how you got here? So before we dig too deeply into uh, your current political views and how you got there, why don't I just get to know you a little bit better? So why don't you just kind of start off telling us how you got involved uh, with music in general, how that became a passion of yours, and how you eventually found yourself working with the band Arrested Development. Cool.
1: Yeah, well, I think... You know, like a lot of people, they, well, not a lot, I don't know how many people, but my, my father was a saxophone player back in the you know fifties and sixties. He played in soul bands and stuff up in New York. And so that was, you know, his passion. I, so I grew up with, I had this amazing record collection, you know, growing up. So I was always, you know, we had, you know, anything from Tony Bennett, Sinatra to Fleetwood Mac and Tower of Power, Any, anything with horns, anything with Funky, Motown, Stevie Wonder, Steely Dan, Chicago, you know so I just grew up with you know uh music in the house and they were always supportive of music boom got me a drum set started playing next thing you know some guys including my uncle who my parents work with asked me to to be in a they're like man we need a drummer for this band doing you know classic rock and blues and stuff like that so I started I started gigging semi-pro at 15 I'm playing in nightclubs you had to be 21 you know to get in and you know, so I started doing that. My parents were super supportive, and you know, so that was just awesome. So I did that. You know, were, I didn't, were
0: you allowed to play at the age of fifteen? Or were you allowed to even be in the nightclub, or was that were they kind of sneaking you in there?
1: They were sneaking me in. I, so
0: you're you're a, a rebel from the beginning, really? Yeah, totally. <laughs> So, yeah, so I
1: was, I was playing clubs and then, you know, my dad would drive me to the gigs, you know, before I got my own driver's license. And then, you know, they trusted me once I got, you know, they were worried, obviously when I was coming home at four in the morning, my dad, (laughs) he's up having coffee, reading the paper and I'm just getting home from, you know, gigging all night, you know, but, uh. We
0: had very different experiences in high school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so I did that for many years and then, uh, actually, years later how i met speech from arrested development is actually at my church i i started going to at a, spe, a specified ministry for artists and entertainers here in atlanta and so uh hooked up with him and i was playing you know in the church band i was playing drums and guitar i don't know if you know i i'm you know i was a professional drummer first before i switched over to guitar and i did not know that yeah so the drums was my first instrument that's what i was playing back back in the day and then i i switched to guitar uh, later. And then, uh, speech started having me go into the studio, uh, whenever he would need a drummer, I guess, you know, when his regular guys went around, he was like, ah, let me get JJ over here, you know? And then a couple, a couple of times I filled in on a couple live gigs for a speech solo band. Cause at the time, the development had, they had broken up in 96. So from 96 to 2000, he was doing his solo stuff and it, it, his solo career exploded in Asia. Didn't do good in the States, but in Asia, it was like number one on the charts, Rock star stuff, it was, you know, which was amazing. And anyway, so I started recording on those records that were being released over there. And then I co-wrote a song on the Arrested Development Reunion album that came out in 2000. And so he had me come in the studio, met all the band, you know, and well, I had a relationship with him, but it started to really spend more time with them. And then I did that for the next couple of years. He was in my, you know, he was, we became best friends. Him and, he was in my wedding, one of my groomsmen in my wedding and stuff. And then in 2005, he had issues with his uh, regular guitar player and I had decided he had to let him go. And so, uh, it came home and from uh, this big tour in Australia, it's like, Hey, I need a, I need a guitar player. You want to, you want to come to Japan with me on this next run? And I'm like, oh, let me check my schedule. <laughs> yep, okay. <laughs> Turns out I'm free. Yeah. So I learned the material and, you know, drums not being my first instrument. I mean, drums being my first instrument, not guitar being my first instrument. I, it was hard for me to pick up stuff on guitar, like from listening.
0: Well, had you just been dabbling in guitar before? I mean, how, how much guitar experience did you have before you approached you
1: with guitar this? when I was 16. I just noodled because, you know, my parents didn't allow me to play drums in the house past uh, or in the garage past 7.30 at night because it would bother the neighbors and my parents. So I used to feed on my pillows. You know, I'd set up my pillows on my bed and jam along the albums. And, I, you know, and they finally got me a guitar, like, just so I could have another outlet and but I was kind of self taught, I didn't know what I was doing, I barely touched it. But uh, once I started kind of learning it more, I you know, I started like you know, started actually learning some chords and scales. And then I go to uh, I used to host the blues jam sessions in Atlanta, and as the drummer. And then whenever a drummer would get up, I'd have to go sit at the bar or play pool, and I'd just be bored. And these guys would come in and and bring their guitars. And and I'm like, man, some of these guys that would sit in at Lose Jams were not that good. I'm like, well, I'm doing that at home in my bedroom, what they're doing. I'm going to start bringing my guitar out. And a lot of the local cats or my friends, they didn't really like me switching over to guitar. They thought it was cute at first and fun as a joke. And then when they saw me getting serious, they were like, yeah, hey, hey, we got enough guitar players in Atlanta. you know."
0: <laughs> Is there a bit of a territorial attitude when they see someone like you yes. trying to hop instruments or yeah. who have you?
1: Well, it was funny because my band leader at the time, I was playing with this blues band called Mudcat. And Mudcat was a great guitar player. He did a lot of slide, gut bucket, blues stuff. He was always very supportive. And he was my own band leader. he would let me open up gigs playing guitar while the the Congo player would play my drums. And we would switch. And he was was always supportive. And he was the one guy that was like the biggest support for me. You know, locally, who was like, "Man, do it!" You know, even though you're my drummer, <laughs> you know, he supported me playing guitar. But, anyways, uh, going back to Arrested Development, yeah, in 2005, I, I I had a friend of mine. I got the audition tapes from Speech, the the band leader of Arrested Development. I'm uh, not the audition tapes, the, the the VHS tapes of a show, so I could learn the the material from the guitar player. I couldn't figure out half the stuff he was doing because it was like really cool funk, crazy stuff, and.
0: So you're but literally just watching the video and trying to mimic what yeah, you're hearing. You don't, yeah, you don't have music in front of you had, or anything. I, I literally had a
1: friend of mine uh, who was studying jazz at Georgia state and he came over and he learned the show for me and then he taught it to me. And then I went and auditioned. I still had to audition for the rest of it. They wanted to make, he wanted to make sure I gelled with the band and the band, you know, sure. so when I went, I nailed the audition and then the rest is history. Uh, so, Started playing in front of, you know, 80,000 people, 50,000 people in these big festivals down to, you know, we play small clubs, too. But, you know, we're traveling all over the world. And I'm like, for years, I still was in my mind was like, I'm a drummer. I just happened to play a little bit of guitar. <laughs>
0: <It was funny laughs> when like, you're professionally touring the world as a guitarist.
1: It was a mind, it was a mind trip because I never, I was always, everybody knew me as a drummer. You know, now I know now people I got so many friends now on Facebook that pe- most people now they only know me as a guitar player. They they don't know my old life unless you went to high school with me or knew me from back in the days when I was touring with a blues band, you know. So, yeah, so it's kind of funny.
0: I mean, I've been doing this podcast for over five years, but I, I, I still just do podcasting on the side. <laughs> yeah, <Right>? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you never know. It might might change one day. Right. Stick with it.
0: I'm curious, JJ, when uh, when in this whole mix here in this time period, how recently did you start to come upon your political views? I mean, did you grow up uh, with politics being discussed in your household? Obviously, we know you were defying the state even at the young, young age of 15 by uh, defying their, uh, their minimum, I guess it wasn't necessarily drinking law, but to, to be in the club. Right.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of weird. I was thinking about that, the whole evolution of, of just my, how I came to be where I'm at now. And you know, I was, I was talking to one of my old bandmates who I was in a band with when I was like 18. And I remember uh, we discussed it. And he finally, once I brought it up, he remembered it. But I was 18. I was playing, playing with this, this, my second band. And for some reason, the three of us, uh, we was a trio. One of them was like, man, let's go to this Libertarian local meeting in Atlanta. And I don't even remember, you know, it was some bar in at downtown Atlanta. And I went and I didn't know anything I didn't, didn't know anything. Was this
0: like a meetup or a libertarian party thing? It was
1: a, somebody was kind of spoke for a bit and it was like a meetup. Yeah. It was kind of, it's vague. I mean, I was smoking a lot of pot back then and stuff.
0: (laughs) The details are a little fuzzy. I understand. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And you know, uh, so
1: we went and it it wasn't like a life changing event or anything, but it was my first time doing anything remotely political. And then I remember I bought this book by uh, uh, David Boaz or something. Is that right? Book, a book on libertarianism. About that. I read that years ago. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, this is pretty cool. But, you know, back then I'm I'm a kid, you know, my life is sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, back then. So my main thing was practicing and gigging and and everything else, you know. So I kind of got out of I I didn't really stick with it. I didn't really retain it or anything. I, you know, I didn't vote or anything. And it it really wasn't until nine eleven You know, that I was just like, okay, I need to start paying attention to what's going on. And that's when I started, like, watching the debates and, you know, and getting involved. And so, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, well, I only have really have two choices, you know, Republican or Democrat. And I'm going to I'm going to go with whoever has the most hint of libertarianism. You know, that was my thinking. Right. And so I thought, okay, well, the Republicans will probably do, you know, my best route, you know, smaller government, you know, so they say. You know, so I did that for a while, you know, and I, and I, you know, and then I voted and I was just like, just would not feel, my conscience would not be clear every time. I was just like, this just doesn't feel right. You know, you know, but once I, I don't even know how I got into listening to libertarian podcasts. I don't even remember, you know, I started listening to Tom Woods and Lions of Liberty and David Smith. Tom Woods, I think was probably the first, I don't know how I, Tom
0: always seems to get them first somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I was, I read uh, Thomas Sowell's Basic Economics. I read a lot of Thomas Sowell's books. So, you know, that, and then I would listen to uh, conservative podcasts and I'd be like, some of this stuff, I'm like, okay, that's good. And then I'd go back and look at what the Republicans were doing. And I'm like, that's not what they say. That's not what they claim. (laughs) They're not practicing. Speech, and then you know i just after a long time i just got tired of it you know ron paul came out and i was just like yeah mike that's you know right there you know and i even had uh my boss at one point who he's kind of an enigma he's very left-leaning in many areas he's but he's right leaning in certain areas are you but,
0: referring to, to speech here
1: yeah 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 so he pretty much votes democrat but not, even when he's not really likes the the candidate but he's just uh-huh. like you know, you know, so we don't have to dive deeper into that. But uh, but at one point, I remember him saying, man, you know, if if Ron Paul were the candidate, vote for him. And I'm thinking that was wow. kind of weird. I'm that's like, something. that's, you know, I was like he's but he said, I know he's not going to be the candidate. So I'm just going to vote, vote, you know, Democrat. And I'm like,
0: I can't tell you how many times I heard similar statements to that. I actually uh, canvassed for Ron Paul out here in California, of all places, back when he was running in uh, 2008. Eight And we found so many people who actually, when you get into the conversation about them, because obviously most people I'm talking to out here, especially in Los Angeles, are already of that sort of progressive band left-leaning. But they were also very legitimately anti-war in many ways. So they did have favorable things to say about Ron Paul. But then you always would hit this wall where they they agree with this and that. Oh, they think he's great against the war and great against the war on drugs. But he's not going to win, so I'll just vote for the Democrats. <laughs> it was how you know we'd have a twenty to thirty minute conversation. Sometimes you're really thinking you're getting somewhere, but then they always seem to default back to that left-right paradigm. Uh, I got to go with whoever has that chance to win. It seems one of the most difficult things to overcome, at least in terms of speaking with people about practical politics.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain about why that is with certain people because I know. I know other people who lean libertarian or whatever, or even left libertarian. If, to me, that's an oxymoron, but they—that's what they say. And then they were mad at at Ron Paul for uh, running as a Republican. Like they, you know, I'm like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know why he did it, and his and it, his uh, libertarian philosophy was able to get out to a lot of people because he ran as a Republican. You know. But I think, I think a lot of people are, they liked a lot of Ron Paul's ideas, but I think they're afraid because they've been so ingrained and indoctrinated through like government schooling that, you know, that you have to have big government somewhere in there doing something, you know, otherwise, you know, there's going to be big government monopolies and, you know, the way that they uh, oftentimes to me criticize capitalism they're not really criticizing free market capitalism. They're criticizing cronyism. They see cronyism and they think it's capitalism. So capitalism's bad, you know? So whenever there's getting these discussions, it's always like, I'm always trying to like clarify your terms. So we, you know, so we can come to an agreement or a disagreement. Like there's, there's no clear terms anymore, you know, when it comes to words, you know, capitalism, racism, this and that. It's like, you know, it's a big mesh and it makes it where everybody ends up talking past each other and you can't really agree on anything.
0: I think that's the big problem that I've had with the Republican-slash-conservative point of view. I grew up in sort of a Republican household, and I liked a lot of the the ways things sound, like personal responsibility and you know not relying on the government for everything, helping each other, helping your communities. That all made sense to me. But as I became more and more in tune and aware of politics, I realized that so often many Republicans and conservatives weren't really arguing for free markets. They were arguing to, I guess, sort of conserve the present system, and when you're you really dig into it, you begin to realize the present system. Sure, it has many elements of free markets more so than you know, a lot of other countries out there. But what they're defending isn't really free markets. It's not even really capitalism. It's like you said, crony capitalism. And it's really hard to be on that side of things, especially when, you, at least in my world here, and I'm sure in yours as well. You talk to so many people on the left, and if you just defend the current system, you really do come across as you know, as as really just supporting the big corporations because you kind of are because That's who utilizes these regulations, utilizes all these laws to maintain their sort of stranglehold over the economy. Whereas I think real free markets in the sense that a libertarian means them would look so drastically different from what Republicans and conservatives currently defend that there's really hardly any reason to even associate with it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and I see that from the left as well. It's like, you know, same thing with them. So, yeah, it boggles my mind. But I I know – now, after listening to so many, you know, podcasts and, you know, audio books, uh, Mises stuff, Rothbard, uh, his uh, Libertarian Manifesto, Ron Paul's book, I, I usually do, I, I don't read physical books, I, I listen to audio books because I'm on the road a lot. And so it's just easier for me just to put the buds in and zone out and just and do that. But now after... You know, they. You see the expression "woke" all the time. It's like it's funny and it's cliche now. But now I feel like I'm I'm actually the woke one. I can't. There's no way I could go back to you know to where where I was before. Like you know, knowing what I know now.
0: Is there any moment to you? I mean, for me, I I was getting into libertarian ideas and uh, started to take interest in Ron Paul and a lot of things he was saying even before the debates, but to me, there was like a woke moment I have and and for me, I think, and for a lot of people, it was the moment where he stood up to Rudy Giuliani and uh, insisted that, yes, in fact, uh, even the CIA agrees that our actions overseas, our military occupations do create terrorists and do cause terrorism and, and are one of the primary motivations. Giuliani demanded an apology and instead Ron Paul just doubled down and and that to me woke me up not necessarily to just what he was saying because it was already very logical in my mind it made perfect sense it was more the way he said it and the fact that he was being laughed at literally by the audience and everyone else on stage but even under the face of that what many other people would find humiliating he doubled down on his stance and he stood firm and said no you are all wrong no matter whether you laugh at me or not this is the correct stance uh do you have any moments in mind that sort of were i guess what like you said woke moments to you moments that stood out as you just saying not only is this necessarily something I believe but it's something I have to actually stand up for and, and be out there talking about
1: yeah I think probably the initial it wasn't back when I went to that you know that meeting back in 91 or 92 or whatever it was you know that it was it was definitely years later Right after nine eleven, I probably, and then reading, I think it was probably, it was a Thomas Sowell stuff. It wasn't a TV moment. I think it was just, you know, started reading his articles and then just reading economics and, cl- and seeing how policies affect people's lives and seeing how specific policies were, like even in South Africa, how they used uh, the minimum wage to drive blacks out of the market, you know, during apartheid. I mean, it was used, minimum wage was used as a weapon against blacks and then hear people screaming and cry for you know minimum wage and they have no idea what it does to minorities you know economically so to me i think the big woke moment was was reading thomas Sowell's economic books you know that that really was just like
0: wow that sort of made you realize that a lot of the feel good policies out there actually do the opposite of what people advocating for them would like to, them to do you know the the classes of people that they are trying to defend and i think many people are are well intentioned when they advocate a minimum wage but what they don't realize is that there actually is a complete opposite effect to the one that they actually want to see
1: yeah yeah and that and that's it you know and then, you know how it is when politicians they they introduce a new bill it has some you know, some fluffy name and it's, you know, the Patriot Act or whatever. And it's, it's always like the opposite of what they, you know, what it's entitled you know? So, yeah. But now I feel like when I, I I don't watch news anymore, but when I did used to watch CNN and Fox and stuff uh, a lot more, I would just be like, oh my God, do they, oh God, what is this garbage speaking out of their mouth? You know, whether it be a Democrat or Republican, you know, it's like.
0: Once you become a libertarian woke, as you might say, it's really, really difficult to watch uh, hardly any, not not just cable news, even like mainstream TV shows. Because so much politics and assumptions about government are, are really milk baked into those shows that you don't even think about until you, until you sit down and watch some of this stuff. And it's just, it's almost unbearable. That's why I spend so much time listening to podcasts now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. No, I. Yeah, my my phone is just. I mean, I got so many now that you know, I don't. I don't even touch the TV. You know, the only time I watch, you know, cable news is if I'm in the airport or if I'm in in a hotel. You know, for a minute. Even now, it's like I'll turn the TV off and just throw on my iPhone and open up a podcast, you know, but I'm, it's now podcasts, you know, and, and, you know, Twitter is a great source of
0: news as well. <laughs> okay, you're pretty active on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff pops up. It's funny though, just to see like breaking stories come out on Twitter before it hits TV.
0: Always. Yeah. 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 So, Hey, friends, I got to take a quick pause here to tell you about another great libertarian podcast out there. It's called Free Man Beyond the Wall, hosted by the artist formerly known as Mance Raider, now known simply by his real name of Pete Raymond. And I got to tell you, Pete is a machine. This guy brings you a new episode of his own every single Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And he has done some absolutely fantastic in-depth interviews. He's had on everybody from Ron Paul to Thaddeus Russell to Phil Labonte, the lead singer of All That Remains, a very diverse group of guests, not always libertarians. He also did a great show with a Washington, D.C., insider lobbyist revealing a lot of the dirt that goes on behind the scenes in DC. He has done so many interviews that I have just said, darn, I wish I did this one myself. So I really do want to highly recommend checking out Freeman Beyond the Wall. You can find it over at FreemanBeyondTheWall.com as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and all those fancy podcatchers out there. What's great about Twitter too is if you follow people you trust, they're going to be telling you about the news that you need to hear about. You know, so I, that's that's pretty much where I get all my news are by following sources that I trust. Not just even libertarian sources. I follow you know progressives like Glenn Greenwald, just people that I know are going to be talking about things in a in a legitimate way, from a truthful point of view, an honest point of view, as opposed to just spewing the propaganda, which is just all you're going to get on cable news, unless you know unless you happen to tune into Dave Smith, uh, you know, on Kennedy or something. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And. It- you know it's it's funny because then you know when i'm out on the road and the band starts talking about it you know current events and stuff and you know we've there have been many long hours of debates and arguments on gun control and you know trump and you know hillary or obama you know and you know i used to engage and, and i got to a point where i just i had to just put in my earbuds and and check out and just let them let them go because I know there's only so far I could go with free market capitalism or (laughs) you know just in general you know so that's a lot of times that could be code words to people but it's tough being a a musician and you know where 99% of the my peers and friends are you know very far left leaning you know when it comes to that I get a few messages on Facebook that are people like hey man keep doing what you're doing like they won't say it from and, people
0: in your industry or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've had a couple of, like really like cool people that I admire, like on a huge level musicianship wise who are, you know, uh, big in their, their field that, you know, hit me a message and be like, really? hey, what you're doing. But so, they got
0: to do it in the DMS. They're not tweeting back to you publicly. And, and, <laughs> and I don't, I don't,
1: I stopped posting like on my personal timeline. I, you know, I, I, now most of my conversations are in private groups right. because I don't want to lose work. You know, I'm a mix engineer. I do pro studio stuff and I've, you know, and I don't want to lose gigs, you know, any future possible gigs, endorsements, you know, stuff like that. Not to say that, I, you know, I don't get paid for those, but, you know, there are companies where I get discounts on gear, you know, and I need that, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional musician, you know, and sometimes I'll make great money for a tour and then sometimes I'm off for two months and all of a sudden that big paycheck's like, and I'm like, okay, you know, I got to hustle. <laughs>
0: Hopefully they don't come across this Lions of Liberty podcast here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways...
0: Uh, now I'm, I'm curious what you know, when you're traveling the world, obviously you're, tra- you're traveling all over the world, uh, touring with the rest of development. Uh, I'm curious what sort of conversations you might get into with other people, not necessarily other musicians, but just people you happen to run into in your travels. Do you, you know I've, I've done a good bit of traveling myself, and I always find it fascinating talking, not necessarily directly talking politics with people, but just getting people's perspectives on their situations, and and really realizing that the perspective of people in a lot of other countries. It's just so vastly different that you are able to find a lot of value, even if you're not agreeing with, you know, what their political stance might turn out being. Have you found that at all in your travels?
1: I found, uh, gosh, you know, I was just in Europe in November. We were all over Europe and we were in France when those uh, protests started happening. The Yellow Vest folks. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I got a video like from my hotel window at the intersection right out right in front of the hotel. They started it right there blocking traffic you know i'm trying to sleep i'm jet lagged and horns are going off people are pissed off and you know and then so that you know we finally get to the gig later that night we're having dinner and there's like the artist relations person there from the promoter and you know she's real sweet and and it's funny because she's like one of the people who are like you know i get to hear her perspective on america and american politics and and to me it was no no really no different than your average american democrat you know it was like i can't Believe people are allowed to carry guns, and people think they got you know big penises by carrying you know, and <laughs> <laughs> they love guns and violence, and you know, and I'm, and and the next thing you know is like everybody's bashing gun ownership, and there's me, and there's one other person in the band who you know who who I know doesn't you know agree. And we're the two quiet ones.
0: <laughs> and just kind of looking at each other across the room oh, like, uh, just...
1: yeah, I'm like, oh, get up and go get me some more coffee. You know, a lot of time I, at this point, I used to participate more, but I'm not good with keeping cool under those talks. I, you know, it's hard for me to not get emotional myself, you know, and I'm in, and, and it's tough because, you know, my band, we're all like, we're all super close friends. I mean, we try, we're, we always get along. It's very rare. We fight, we We've been on tours with other bands. We see how clicky other bands are and how they fight, you know, and I'm and we we always get along. So we love each other a lot, but yeah, you know, and there was another member who I, I, I gave uh, gave her some links to some economic books because she heard me talking about economics. She wanted to learn a little bit more about it. So I, you know, I gave her some Thomas Sowell stuff. And even uh, I sent her one time a, a link to er- uh, Eric July speaking on a certain topic. And she was blown away, you know. So I'm I'm grateful for him being out there talking about it, just like he was grateful for Walter Williams and you know Thomas Soul, you know, talking. He was able to look to somebody, you know, like him and be like, oh, here's something radically different than everybody else, you know. So, but yeah, so that that's one example. But yeah, the typical, you know, most people's views that I find overseas are are pretty much like your average, you know democrat over here you know, on facebook you know railing you know it's very rare you see somebody over there is like advocating for free markets and small government like
0: I've yeah been- at least here it is in some ways ingrained in the culture that even people that don't agree with those concepts, that's a part of the dialogue, but really free markets and individual rights, when you're speaking to Europeans, that isn't even really on the table. I mean, we're, we're basically starting at, you know, their starting point, uh, you know, what what might be called a conservative in many countries is what might be called, you know, far left progressive here. So the the bar is, is kind of slid over in a very uh, much further to the left.
1: Yeah. It's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up with that with, you know, a, a liberal, what liberal means here or there. And then even here, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of conservatives who don't want to be called a conservative anymore. They want to be called a liberal again, like, because it could because of what the word actually means, you know, they're, they're, they're mad that it's, been hijacked you know the words
0: I'm mad it's been hijacked too I whenever I hear the word word liberal in, in reference to progressives or Democrats I just kind of cringe because I, I think to myself like that should be our word it's literally the beginning of what we're called now it's you know it, it's the word means free and it's it's basically the, the basis of our entire philosophy we're the real liberals out there and yet somehow it's become so associated with policies and philosophies that are just vastly vastly different.
1: Well, it it is. It's frustrating. And part of me, part of me says, you know what, let's start, let's get everybody to start calling ourselves liberals again, those who are actual libertarians. And then when you're talking with someone and then you, and then you like, maybe you in a discussion or a conversation, you, you advocate for something that's not, you know, left-leaning. They're like, wait, I thought you said you're a liberal. I am. It's it's (laughs) doctrine to free men. You know, it's, you know, then they were like,
0: I am. What are you? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Part of me thinks we should just go ahead and just start doing it.
0: You know? I'm on board. I, I think we should start the campaign to take liberal back. Yeah. Hashtag it. Maybe not from your Twitter account since you're trying to avoid that, but right. I'll yeah. hashtag it.
1: Well, Twitter, Twitter. I've been doing... Twitter, I, I've been going... I don't get much dis- discussions, but I retweet a lot of uh, Tom Wood stuff and anything you know that's libertarian. I, I post a lot of stuff there. It's mainly on Facebook that I stopped uh, getting into it with people... You know, I've been. It's it's sad because I've been I've been blocked by some friends who I you know well I thought they were friends but people I've been friends with for a long time. You know, a guy that was uh, a guy that was in my wedding. You know, blocked me. You know, his, wow. his daughter was the, one of the flower girls. Blocked me over uh, a gun rights discussion. You know, he started bashing my father in law, who is you know he's a he's a vet retired vet and you know my father in law is a simple man. But, He's got, you know, he's got uh, shotguns and a couple of handguns and he grew up in Tennessee hunting and stuff. So it's like he's got a gun rack, you know, so he wants to keep his guns. And I just remember, you know, my old friend just like just bashing him like in a demeaning way. So I stood up for my father in law and that was it. <laughs> I was like, OK, that's it.
0: Guns are, are one issue where you can uh, you can really lose people over. I'm I'm as a uh, i i am as ai was newly single early last year, and uh, you know did some dating out here in Los Angeles, and that was one subject. Once we got to, I was I starting to think to myself, "All right, this is going to end pretty soon because <laughs> I can't be too too silent on that stuff." But uh, it's very rare to find at least out here someone who doesn't already hold an- very anti gun views.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do. Well, I guess I do know how you do it in. The- I mean. <laughs> I could, even though I'm in Atlanta, I do it the way, you know, I travel, but yeah, that's tough. Uh, That's
0: tough. JJ, I wanted to ask you, as you mentioned, you're pretty active in a lot of the private groups and I've seen you active in the Mises caucus group. So I'm curious, do you have any plans or desires to get involved in the libertarian party at all or to become more, you know, directly politically active?
1: I don't have any plans. You know, I don't have any plans to do that. I, I, you know, I eat, sleep and breathe music. Well, I'm a dad now, you know, and I have been for seven years now. But, uh, you know, I love being a dad and, and all that. But I, you know, part of me, part of me, I, I don't see myself doing that. Who knows? I mean, I can't I can't say no, but uh, I don't have any plans to do that. I just I have barely have enough time in a day to to finish making my album <laughs> You know, that I'm recording now.
0: But in fairness, you never had plans to be a guitarist. And here you are.
1: (laughs) That's true. I always just wanted to
0: be, I wanted to be John Bonham, you know? (laughs) So you never know. Uh, Now you mentioned your album. Is that uh, your own album that you're working on? Yeah, my wife, my wife's a
1: uh, musician as well. So we have a band called Fire and the Knife. And um, it's, uh, it's like roots rock, Southern like rock and stuff. And she sings and writes and we're recording a new album. So when I'm, when I'm not on the road with the rest of development, I'm doing a lot of local gigs and Southeast stuff uh, with our duo, sometimes like once a month we'll have a full band show but a lot of times we're doing just duo stuff but yeah we're in the middle of uh, writing and recording a record right now we're doing it in our home this is uh, you can probably see the drums this is my living room literally I got all this studio gear you can't see it behind my computer but I got all this speakers and studio gear like in the living room you know because this. Because acoustically, this is the best sounding room for, for the drums and stuff. So, my wife was awesome enough to let us uproot the entire house. So, yeah. Cool.
0: Great. we'll have to we'll have to link to that link to any of your work doing and you know keep our listeners up to date on, on all your projects so uh, JJ I really do appreciate you coming on sharing your story a little bit I always love to hear how people became libertarians that's the reason I started the show is to dig into that so it's pleased to have you on uh, before I let you go one more time why don't you let everybody out there know um, how they can find you if they do want to follow you on Twitter or how they can find all of your other work.
1: Yeah, on, uh, like on Instagram, you can follow me there too. JJ Boogie, just the letters JJBOOGIE. You could uh, follow arresteddevelopmentmusic.com and find out when we're coming to your town. So you could come heckle me if you want, and, you know, from the audience. And then uh, Fire and the Knife Music on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. We, we appreciate Very it.
0: Very cool. Well, Jason, JJ Boogie Reichert, I really do appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'll see you around. I'll see you around the Lions Liberty Forum. I'll see you on Twitter. I'll see you all over the place because you're, you're out there and part of the conversation.
1: Thank you, brother. <laughs> all
0: right, kiddos. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason, JJ Boogie Reichert. It's always great to find new libertarians in places you don't necessarily expect them. So once I saw this character, JJ Boogie, commenting all over the place, commenting in our forum, and I realized he was a member of a quite well-known band, I figured, hey, why not hear from him? Maybe he can help cross people over who are sort of in those other areas, you know, who are in the hip-hop realm, who might be attracted to his interview just simply because of who he is, simply because he's in the band, simply because maybe they are a friend of his and they see this interview posted, and that's the kind of thing that I think can really get people's Minds churning. And that's the goal here. That's why we do these shows, not necessarily to create new libertarians overnight, but to at least interest people in the ideas, find out how other people came down this journey. And that can help you perhaps guide others down the same journey to the ideas of liberty as well. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I do have a special announcement regarding the format of this program. As many of you know, one of our most popular segments over the years has been Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. Where I gather fellow Lions of Liberty hosts like Brian and John, uh, our other great contributors like Howie, Rico, JB, and uh, occasionally some special guests. And we all just kind of have a very laid back, loosey-goosey, drunken chat about liberty. And people seem to really love that. It always gets our best download numbers. But we just have so much other programming that we're doing between my interviews, Brian's look at comedy and culture, John's look at the broken criminal justice system, and the amazing interviews he's done with uh, so many people that have been screwed up over and uh, really overcame those injustices in often a a very inspiring way. So we wanted to continue to bring you that content while also trying to figure out a way to bring you some of that different format of content. The the more laid-back, conversational type shows, which I know are what attracted many to this program in the first place. And a lot of that content does live behind the payroll right now. We uh, On our Patreon, we do Conspiracy Corner, which is a roundtable format. Uh, Degenerate Gamblers is a weekly program in a very similar format, which really often turns into old stories from our college days, and I really feel that a lot of that stuff is some of our best content. So we wanted to find a way to bring some of our better content forward to you guys, the stuff that really got so many people interested in this program in the first place without really sacrificing the current variety show format. So what we've decided to do, instead of me just trying to cram it in wherever I can once a month or so, uh, we've decided that... Every single month, each of our programs is going to host a Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking liquor style show. So I will do one on one Monday a month. On a different Wednesday, Brian is going to host a Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor uh, episode of Electric Liberty Land. And then John will also do a more criminal justice centered roundtable type format show uh, on Felony Friday. So we're going to bring you a lot more of this conversational format that has proven so successful, both on the main show as well as uh, from our Patreon, always our most popular stuff on there as well. And of of course, we'll continue to do what we're doing on Patreon. Uh, we'll do bonus Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor shows, bonus episodes after every one of those shows. So you'll, you'll at least get three of those on the Patreon every month where we'll take a lot of questions from Pride members. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Liberty. But our main format is not changing at all. You're going to get the same exact variety that you get every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You're just going to get a lot more of those Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor style shows. Shows, and that also opens up a lot more space to bring on some other guests, work in a lot of the friends of the show, and that sort of thing. So we're very excited about this format. That's going to officially start in March uh, as I try to organize our next big Liberty Draft show, which requires all six of the Lions of Liberty. So that one's a little more difficult to coordinate, but we'll be doing that one hopefully sometime in February. So that is the gist of it. You can look forward to more alcohol-fueled roundtables featuring... Some of your favorite Libertarian podcasters. Very excited about what is ahead for us here in 2019 and beyond. And again, today's episode of Lions of Liberty has been brought to you by MathBot.com. The pen may be mightier than the sword, but code is even mightier than the pen. So learn how to build the tools that will bring prosperity and freedom to the world and learn how to code at MathBot.com. That's MathBot.com. Become mighty, my friends. And until next time, live long and live free.
1: Are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com.
0: Listen to Weird Libertarians at WeAreLibertarians.com. My name is Chris Spengel and I host a show where we talk about the stories you and your friends are talking about and then we give you libertarian solutions so you sound smarter when you're talking to your friends. We're going to make you sound like a genius. Tune in now at WeAreLibertarians.com.
1: Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? <laughs>
0: Always launching ideas in your direction. On, she
1: let she split, you
0: And now i